0: Hey there, Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss Campbell finding dodo birds and leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me. He's in Portland for the PK-85 events designed to celebrate a billionaire's 85th birthday. I'm back at home after a, a few days in New York for CBS Sports Network. If you're watching us on YouTube, please go ahead and smash that like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent and if you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please knock that out. While you're here, Dead Leg, you've been in Portland, I guess, around 36 hours or so, so far. You spent Thanksgiving watching some of the sports' best teams and best players perform. Walk us through what we need to know so far about the developments in Portland. And if you don't mind, start with North Carolina because they are the preseason number one team. Um, You led a notebook uh, with them that people can read at CBSSports.com. Preseason number one team in the country. Still undefeated, but... They don't look anything like the best team in the country. It's been one so so performance after another so far this season.
2: It has been. Good morning. Uh happy Black Friday to you, GP. Happy Black happy Friday to everyone watching on YouTube. Yeah, and hey, you can hear you're watching, you're listening. You can hear my voice at I'm obviously three hours behind. We went Gonzaga, thankfully. We're not gonna talk Zags on this podcast other than right now. They rolled thank you, Gonzaga, for not making that an interesting game.
0: That, that eight AM podcast in in when you're on the West Coast. The rest of us don't care. I remember, I think it was last year, maybe year before. I'm in I get a note from uh the great people at CBS Sports HQ, and they're like, um, hey, can you do a 10 a.m. Eastern hit tomorrow morning live from you know outside T-Mobile Arena? I'm like, let me do the math on that real quick. That's a 7 a.m. CBS Sports HQ hit in Las Vegas after a Friday night. Yeah, I did right. it, but well, oh boy, I know what you're going through. That's what I'm telling you.
2: No, it's yeah, it's all good. You can see you can see it in my eyes. I woke up no fewer than eh, 25 minutes ago at this point, but I tried to squeeze in as much uh, sleep. Nobody cares, but it was good. Good Thursday. And uh, thank you, Gonzaga, for not keeping me in that building until the very uh, final buzzer there. UNC got things going against Portland. I was there when that one tipped off on Thanksgiving Thursday. And because I think, you know, it got the event going, it's North Carolina, uh, Portland, Portland was able to make it a competitive game for pretty much 39 minutes. I think it just stirred up a little bit of conversation about, well, this is, you know, this is the number one team, the number one in the rankings. I pointed out on Twitter that UNC, I think they're, uh, there's, are they 17 or 18? Now let me refresh this real quick. GP, Cause they're number one in the poll. They're 19th. Okay. So they are 19 in Ken Palm as we record this Friday morning, eight Oh five West coast time. And, it you know they don't look like the best team in college basketball they haven't looked like the best team in college basketball to this point in the season and they have not yet now this will change in a, in a few hours here but they they haven't played a team from a power conference so it's not like they've clung to the number 1 ranking and you know narrowly got by uh you know a Pac-12 team or an SEC team on a neutral court or you know a Big 10 team it hasn't been that yet that's actually coming here now in this tournament and then they're going to play next Wednesday. They're at Indiana and then they're at Virginia tech. Uh, so it's going to get pretty interesting in a hurry for UNC. Uh, they got an 89, 81 win over Portland, Pete Nance tied a career high with 28 points. Caleb love shot well from the floor in that game GP. And between Nance and love, they were the reasons they won love had 23 Armando Baycott, leaky black bullhead, 11 RJ Davis had 13. But I, I did talk to leaky afterward. Uh, <laughs> He expressed uh, gratitude. Thanks again. He really did enjoy coming on the pod back in uh, you know a few weeks ago. So that was great to talk about. But once we got to the matters of talking about the team, uh, you know, he it was, he, he, again. He's a great interview. He he accepts like and he takes on the responsibility of like being the team's best defensive player. And when the team collectively is failing defensively. Uh, he basically said, "Like I don't even put it on the coaching staff. This is on this is on me. It, like it filters down from me on that side of the floor. We are not getting the job done." He also said, and some of this is in the notebook, but I didn't. I didn't want to overload the notebook. He was saying that, you know, we the energy level when we start these games, and basically it's been five games in a row. Like you know, three, four, five, six minutes into the game, like he feels it is two or three notches below what it should be, and he, and it's not like the team, or at least he feels like that's what it is going through warm-ups, pregame locker room. But they get out there. Maybe it's because, as he said in the piece, like because we've got North Carolina on our chest and we're playing the majors like we think we're just going to steamroll these teams. It's just not happening. We are the top target. And so there was a lot of interesting things to come out of the game. UNC won 89-81. They pulled away late. The defense is a major issue. There's no doubt about that. Offensively, they can still get the job done. Hubert Davis also said that... Listen, and he was alluding to not just Caleb Love, but he was alluding to the whole team, but I think love as well. Like, we there are things happening in games here where it's just freelance. It's just improv. Like, what are you doing? We haven't gone. We have not what, whatever you're doing right now, that's not what we went through and walked through and scout and practice. So there's a little bit of like, don't just think you can mess around and and get out with a W. It will be intriguing when they have to play Iowa State. I put that as my uh it's my game in the final four and one. So we'll pick that game at the end of the pod. But, you know, quick takeaway from UNC there. Maybe they'll come out and get the championship. They'll win two more. But if they play again uh, the, for the next two games the way they did against Portland, one of the next two opponents will will clip them. They're not going to get out of here without a loss.
0: Yeah, like I, I understand the idea of... Um, we're North Carolina, we're playing UNC Wilmington, it's the season opener, we should be able to get past this, no problem. Now we're hosting Charleston, we're North Carolina, we should be able to get through this, no problem. Now we're hosting Gardner-Webb, we're North Carolina, we should be able to get through this, no problem. And I understand sort of everything is, 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 like, they were in last season's national title game, their season will largely be judged on where it ends in 2023. I get all that. I guess I would just say once like I understand entering the season, like we don't have uh, tough games to start, so we don't have to be as focused as we, you know, otherwise might be. Um, we don't have to be as deliberate as we otherwise might be. But once you struggle in in in, you know, two or three of these games, it seems like that would be a wake-up call, like, okay, um, we're preseason number one. We're still number one. Um, we're undefeated, but we're clearly not playing well. Let's get it together. And so far, that hasn't really happened. Um, it, 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 I'm with you. If they if they play the next two games at the level at which they played the previous five, they will not get out of this thing undefeated, and they will not be number one in the country on, on Monday. And and you're exactly right. leaky's right. The, the issue so far, and I don't know that it completely falls on him. In fact, I'm certain that it doesn't. But I can appreciate him taking responsibility for that. In accountability for that, he should probably sit down with Zach Wilson, maybe talk to him for a minute about taking responsibility for. <laughs> yeah, this for- was
2: my interview with him. Was the exact opposite of what Zach Wilson.
0: Did. <laughs> yes, so Leaky Black is no Zach Wilson, but I think I already knew that. um North Carolina again started the season ninth at Ken Palm, which seemed low for a team that finished in the top twenty at Ken Palm and returned four starters and added Pete Nance. But whatever, I'm not here to argue with a computer. But they are undefeated and, and gone all the way down to 19. And I saw you put this on Twitter yesterday like, number one in the AP people, 19th at Kenpom. Have we, like, have I don't know. we had that I don't know. big of a discrepancy?
2: Yeah. I, Did you I reach don't out to Ken him. at all? I Well, no, I, I at mentioned him and he is, uh, he appropriately ignored me on Thanksgiving. <laughs> He's actually good about that. He gets that kind of stuff all the time. People are like, hey, Ken, tell us what, yeah. what your little computer can spit yeah. out on this weird random factor coincidence. But I've got to believe if that's not. If that's not a record, it's damn close because that is a wide disparity um, between what humans think and what his predictive algorithm has. And, right and keep
0: in mind that um, Ken Palm this early does have uh, data from the past that in, in influences the numbers uh, a bit. But at Barttorvick.com for whatever this is worth, North Carolina right now is 54th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Like um, I'm not saying you can't compete for a national title doing that, but it's it, it gets difficult, and so they're going to have to be better. I suspect that they will, and last season should serve as a lesson for all of us. Like, relax, you know. Like mm-hmm. you know, the, the season is not uh, completed in November or December or even January. It is possible for teams to dramatically improve as the schedule progresses, but North Carolina does need to to dramatically improve the way it ended up doing last season, and I would recommend getting to that earlier than it did last season because last season was, up until like mid-February, a a bit of a roller coaster.
2: Agreed. Let's flip to the other blue blood in the ACC. Duke wins 54-51 against Oregon State. Game was ugly as hell. It was Duke's fewest points in a game uh, in in over a decade, I, I, Jared Burson had a great stat. Did you see? Did you see the stat? Love Jared Burson. I don't think I saw this, dude. This is outrageous. So, first of all, Oregon State they missed a one and one near the end, and, and, and it might have flipped. It maybe it flips the result of the game. Uh, but it, it goes awry on the on the front end, and Duke manages to to hold on in the final minute. There, here's was Burson's stat. Duke's 54 points today against Oregon State, where it's fewest in a win since November 28th, 2006, also 54-51 against Indiana. Freshman John Shire shot two for 10 mm-hmm. in that game. It was Duke's second leading score over 10 points. So they had not scored that few points in a win since Shire was literally playing and had basically just gotten to campus there. From a uh, percentage standpoint, they shot you know 26.7% from the field, and it was their worst in well over a decade, shooting-wise. Now, credit to Oregon State. They run this combo... Of literally on the same possessions, zone to man to zone. It's this, you know. It's a, a Oregon State is a they are they were terrible last season, but a lot of the general principles of what Wayne Tinkle runs, they are just they're frustrating. They're sometimes I had a coach tell me sometimes they can be they can be they can bore you to death with how they play how they they want to grind out the tempo and Duke got flummoxed by the zone. Now I asked Shire after if he thought that he'd see a lot of zone in this. He said, yes, but at the same time, he said, I didn't prepare my guys well enough for that. Um, They were able to overcome it. And I did write this in the notebook um, for as concerning as, UNC was on the defensive end. Duke's offensive issues, I actually thought, were more stark. Kyle Filipowski was, again, Duke's best player. He had 19 points. The only other player to get in double figures was Ryan Young, who has managed to become, like, borderline vital for Duke to this point in the season, and that is not something that people saw coming, the transfer from Northwestern, who's 6'10". You know, he plays below the rim, but a really good passer and just does so many little things, and not so little things, to keep Duke... Uh, competitive notable in this game and concerning is that you know I know Derek Whitehead's coming off injury so he's still getting back into his groove he played 17 minutes in this game but GP for the majority of the final seven eight minutes of the game Whitehead and Derek Lively who logged 10 minutes in this game were on the bench Jalen Blakes was on the floor Ryan Young was on the floor you know Tyrese Proctor didn't have a good game expected to be on the floor, Jerry Roach, of course, and Filipowski, who is the best player so far. They are having issues offensively right now to the point where Filipowski is the dude, but they don't have the guy just yet. They are winning because they are incredible at offensive rebounding. They have the number one O rebound rate in the country, 46.5%. I think, I want to say Ryan Young had eight offensive boards in that Oregon State game. So we're going to pick this as well. Duke Xavier... Uh, and I'll get to Saviors win in a second here. Um, but your quick thoughts on on Duke and what they were able to avoid? I mean, a loss would have, you know that would have been that would have been rough. They but the game was rough in general. But I actually thought Duke's offensive stuff was a little. They just I don't know. They're good, but I'm not seeing like killer stuff in them quite just yet. Well, if you
0: this is always pretty easy for me when you have teams built like this and these types of things happen early in the season. Um, there was a team last season. I, can, I cannot remember who it was off the top of my head. I didn't expect to bring them up or else I would know it. But you know, they were ranked really high in the preseason, and then they struggled. And people would say, so what? why are they struggling? I was like, well, the reason they were ranked so high in the preseason is because they had two five-star guys coming in and neither one of them are playing like a five-star guy. They're both playing like, oh, this was a few years ago. Maybe it was Florida. This is probably like five years ago, I guess. But it was Florida, and they had enrolled um, some five-star guys, and neither one of them were playing the way five-star freshmen typically play. And it was like, if you're trying to figure out why Florida's not as good as it's supposed to be, it's because the reason people thought it would be really good is because of these five-star freshmen, and they're just not performing. And that's more or less on at least one of the things going on with Duke right now. Filipowski has been terrific, but the reason Duke was seventh in the preseason AP poll is because they enrolled, according to 24/7 Sports, three of the top four freshmen in the country: Kyle Filipowski, Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively. And through five games, and Whitehead missed two of them, and Derek uh, uh, um, um, uh, Derek Lively missed part of the preseason with an injury. So there's a possible explanation for this. They both missed preseason time, but Whitehead and Lively through five games, giving them basically nothing. I mean, Lively, he's averaging 3.4 points, 2.8 rebounds, and 16.6 minutes per game. He is, that, that is not the way anybody thought he would open his college career. So if you take Duke uh, again, just say, okay, um, they bring back Jeremy Roach, Cal Filipowski going to be good, but Whitehead's going to give him nothing, Lively's going to give him nothing. You'd say, well, they're not going to be. They'll be maybe they'll be good, but they're not going to be great. If you can't get good stuff, great stuff from Whitehead and Lively, you, there's a limit on what this Duke team can be. And right now, again, it's early, but so far those guys have been, again, possibly for explainable reasons, but those guys have been yes. in, ineffective. Yeah. And as you know, you look across the country, this freshman class, broadly speaking, I think has been pretty impressive. Nick Smith hasn't played yet. Um, lively hasn't done much. Whitehead has, not done much, but Brandon Miller at Alabama has been terrific. Anthony black at Arkansas has been terrific. Um, County George has been really good at, at Baylor. Grady Dick has been excellent at, at Kansas. You know, there's some freshmen who have been really, really good, but the Duke freshmen outside of Filipowski, not so much.
2: Agreed. I'm, I'm waiting to see if either today here on Friday or on Sunday, Tyrese Proctor, Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively. Will any of them step up and have a huge game? I remember being here five years ago. Marvin Bagley was tremendous and uh, really helped uh, set the table for a, for that Duke season there. We'll see. It might just be Filipowski who's doing a good job, but he also a lot of Filipowski stuff. Like he's getting it. Like he's missing his own shot, getting his own offensive rebound, putting it back. That's not everything he can shoot. He can handle. He's been, he's been the guy there. But just interesting to know. We'll see what happens. I'm going to do a quick, real, ju- real
0: quick. I, I want to because Philip in the YouTube chat
2: has got it exactly right. It was Florida several years ago
0: mm-hmm. that was highly ranked in the preseason. Some of their five star freshmen weren't good. And then they struggled last season. It was Michigan. That's who I was thinking of. They enrolled these five star yes. guys and they weren't performing like five star players. And so Michigan struggled um, to live up to preseason expectations for, for much of that season.
2: All right, I'll do a quick tour here because we're on a little more of a time crunch for this pod than normal uh, from stuff on Thursday. Iowa State beat Villanova 81-79. Villanova did like it did against Michigan State. It actually made a push and came back. Caleb Daniels was excellent in that game. It just wasn't quite enough. T.J. Otzelberger, well, well, as I mentioned before, we're going to pick that game on the way out here. Um Trying to get you know five and 6 zero, or better starts for a second consecutive season. Ashuna Shuni played very well in that game, and I actually think that was a very uh, important development for Iowa State. Might have more on him on dot com before I get out of Portland there. But obviously Villanova goes from preseason top twenty-five team to now being two and three, and now it's got a dot like now it's got to play the Portland team that almost pit, beat Carolina. Tough spot for Villanova on Friday. They need to win that definitively. We'll see. Purdue. Cruised against West Virginia. Zach Eadie, my God. 24 points, 12 rebounds. He did have six turnovers, but you know his growth continues. to <laughs> he, he could, because of his stats and because of development, could turn into a top-ten player in the country. We'll wait and see on that. I'm not surprised by that outcome. But Purdue moves on to play Gonzaga later on on Friday. Um, didn't really allow West Virginia to mess around too much. Connecticut destroyed Oregon. The second time these teams have played in the PK-80 event. Five years ago, UConn versus Oregon in the quarterfinals. UConn won. Christian Vital said, sorry for beating your team, Phil Knight, but thanks for all the free Nike gear. Amazing moment. Reminisced with some people yesterday about that. Tristan Newton was the big star for UConn yesterday. 23 points, four rebounds, six assists, a pair of steals. He hit five three-pointers. UConn hit 17 threes. That is a men's school record. Um, Great on UConn. Uh, I happened to catch Dan Hurley on his way out of the arena just real quick, and he was obviously as inspired as anything. I caught UConn's practice in the preseason, and he had uh, real hope and belief that they could grow into a top-20 team. They are playing like that right now. We will see what UConn does on Friday. Again, don't want to overreact to one game. We got Teams are going to take a loss here. Some teams are going to get to 2-0 and and move to Sunday's championship round. But I, I might even say that uh, UConn might be a little bit ahead of the pace there. I was in that. I was in the Moda Center, and it was just dead. I, I, Oregon, Phil Knight's putting on this damn thing, and you lose 83-59. Not a good scene whatsoever. Uh, Xavier beats Florida 90-83. to Xavier will play Duke. We will pick that game on the final four and one. Really good game for the first 33-34 minutes. Uh, Florida missed a couple of bunnies, and when it did that... Xavier got the board, hit a three in transition. That happened, I think, three times, and that was basically the separating factor there. Also big, and credit to God, Todd Golden for mentioning this in the post game. He said Xavier beat the scout, and by that he meant, um, who was it? Zach Fremantle hit a three. Uh, uh, Zach Fremantle hit a three. Desmond Claude hit a three. And Colby Jones went four or five from three. Going into the game, none of those players had hit a three yet this season. So Golden admitted, we didn't expect them to be guys to... To hit six, they went six or seven from the field from beyond the arc. They hadn't hit a three, and he met, he mentioned that as one of the biggest differences in the game. But Xavier big win. They're going to play Duke. Uh, intrigued for that one. And then I got to mention Bama over Michigan State. Brandon Miller was awesome. Twenty four points, nine boards. Uh, you know, five years ago was Trey Young even more than Marvin Bagley uh, came out at this event. Right, I, you know, he was just awesome, and uh, it really put him on that track to. Being Having one of the most notable, if not historic, freshman seasons ever. Uh, I don't know if that will be Brandon Miller or not at this event from a freshman perspective, but he certainly helped big time. Alabama gets the win, and Michigan State, shorthanded. Didn't have Jaden Akins. He's got an ankle injury. Um, Joey Hauser tweaked his ankle. Tommy Hizzo said he'll be a, a go for Friday. And then Malik Hall is out for at least three weeks because he has a stress reaction, not a stress fracture, a stress reaction. They don't have him. Not ideal. We'll see how MSU does for the remainder of this tournament, and then they got at Notre Dame. But an understandable loss because they were shorthanded, but now you're kind of compounding injury issues with a really tough schedule. We'll have to wait and see. Very entertaining. Good first day. Almost kind of get the feeling that Friday is going to be actually even a little bit better across the board. Maybe a couple games that are even closer. Just an awesome event, and uh, I can't wait to get back over there in in an hour or so here.
0: Yeah, so just to make sure we got it right, uh, Friday... Phil Knight Invitational semifinals North Carolina Iowa State then in in Yukon Alabama the winners of those two games will play each other Sunday in the Phil Knight Legacy the semifinals are Duke Xavier Purdue Gonzaga the winners of those games will play each other on Sunday Deadleg will be there for all of it so make sure to keep checking cbsports.com Moving on, since we last podcasted, Arizona won the Maui Invitational. Impressive stuff from Tommy Lloyd's program. We're going to get into that next. But first,
1: a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game.
2: A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing.
0: So since we last podcasted, Arizona did win the Maui Invitational, beat Cincinnati, San Diego State, and Creighton in the title game. Dead like Tommy Lloyd lost three of his top five scores from last season's team that won the Pac-12 regular season title, won the Pac-12 tournament, and then secured a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. All three of those players were selected in the top 35 of the 2022 NBA draft. So nobody really thought Arizona would be as good this season as it was last season. Everybody thought Arizona would be good, but as good as last season? Mm, Not sure. They were 17th in the AP poll, preseason number 10 at Kempom. But the Wildcats are now 6-0 with three top 100 Kempom wins, and they are overwhelming offensively. I've got Arizona up to number six in the top 25, and one could reasonably have them higher. Yeah. Is it possible that Arizona's better even without Benedict Matherin, Christian Coloco, and Daylon Terry?
2: I can't go that far just yet. There is certainly the potential for that. Arizona finished as the number five team at Ken Palm last season, and with four losses, was a number one seed. And we know that uh, that team was humming like a machine for much of the season. There never lost back-to-back games. Never lost two games in in a in a stretch that was closer than even five games. You know, so they, Tommy Lloyd, really did a great job in year one, and there's a decent chance right now he could he could repeat that. They they go now. I only got to see my plan was to get to JFK to watch the entire second half. Dude, not gonna, you know, drone on about this, but almost 3 hours in traffic getting to JFK. What? <laughs> on Wednesday night. Barutal. Barutal. So I got to I got to my gate and then there was a, you know, bar restaurant right there. and There was like 2 minutes to go in the game. So I missed almost the entire Creighton. Game. I didn't see any of it, um, but I know they get the 81 79 win and they hold on to the end there. And Creighton kind of came back and, uh, and closed the margin. But right now, Arizona plays more possessions per game than anyone in the country, more than 77. And they play fast and they are good. They have the number one adjusted tempo at Ken Palm, and they are shooting 67.4% from inside the three-point line. Oh, by the way, they're top five in three-point shooting offensively right now, an absolute juggernaut. I think a big reason for that is Umar Balo, who is blossoming. Like, he was he was a solid role player last year, right? This year, it's, it's a whole other deal, and with him playing alongside Chubelis, they're... They are both traditional bigs. Like You're not going to ask them to step out and shoot uh, a lot of threes. Chubelis uh, has maybe shot one or two this entire season. You're going to leave that for Kreese, for Larson, for Courtney Ramey, uh, for Cedric Henderson. But man, oh man, they uh, they are a ton of fun. Uh, to use common parlance, they are a bit of a wagon right now. And Creighton did give them a push. It's nice to see that the Maui Championship game was, was you know, Arizona controlled a lot of it. But, you know, it winds up with a two-point... Uh, difference in the end there, but they get it. They get it definitively, and yeah, if you wanted to make a case right now for Arizona to be a top two, top three team in any kind of ranking, I think that's really compelling given the competition they faced, how they've looked, and how they are doing it. Tommy Lloyd has something special there, and uh, Arizona gets them more than a week off after traveling to Maui. Their next game will be next Thursday. Yes, conference play already. Pac-12 has those early December games. They're going to play at Utah on December 1.
0: I agree. Tommy Lloyd's got something special there. I take it a step further. Like, is it too early in his coaching career
2: to say Tommy, Tommy Lloyd's special? I mean, he took over it, 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 only because we're just, you can say, it. I won't say that yet. He's just, it's, say it's, it. It. okay. Say it. Tommy Lloyd's,
0: he's something special. He took over an Arizona program that again was supposed to be good, but not necessarily great last season. And they end up Winning everything, Pac-12 regular season title, Pac-12 tournament, get one seed in the NCAA tournament. Lose three of the top 35 uh, draft picks in the 2022 NBA draft, three of his top five scores, and here they are again, overachieving any reasonable expectations. Um, you, you touched on some of the offensive numbers. They shot 62.3% from the field against Cincinnati, 58.6% from the field against San Diego State, 52.9% from the field against against Creighton I mean that's outrageous I mean those are those are you know, I don't know how good Cincinnati is but San Diego State's good and Creighton's great and they just could not get stops against Arizona neither of those teams like you said first nationally in effective field goal percentage two-point field goal percentage fifth nationally and three-point field goal percentage Arizona is number one in adjusted offensive efficiency according to barttorvik.com Scored 81 points in every game, averaging 97.5 points per game. These are 40-minute basketball games. They've been great so far. So, as always, we'll see where it goes from here. But the early returns on Tommy Lloyd's second team in Arizona really, really encouraging. If you're a Wildcats fan, let's because I know we're up against it here. Go ahead and move to the final four and one, where I continued to dominate Norlander through two weeks of this uh, season.
2: Actually, inaccurate. Hey Nada, what are the what are the records for two weeks right now?
0: Y'all are tied at five and five. Okay. So that would not I know, be. But like what I'm trying the point I'm making is that based on my past efforts against you, if you grade me on a scale, I've really been unbelievable so far this season.
2: The point I'm making is that I'm not the only one in charge of the music anymore. Nada. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. What first game do we have, my friend? And by the way, everyone listening, YouTube, you're the best. And uh, we're trying to get this to you as early as possible. We try to pick. I don't know if we've got any game that starts in the next, like, four or five hours. So anyone that might be getting this in on their phone right away on Black Friday, get, if you're standing in line, if you're at a store or whatever, trying to give you mostly games that are going to be later in the day on Friday plus a special one not on Friday. What are we starting with? Yeah, here? and
0: if you're listening to this, like, on Saturday or Sunday and you hear us pick a game wildly incorrectly that happened on Friday, just ignore it. Just okay. just. Go listen to Titus and Tate or something. Just ignore what we're doing here. Whoa. Whoa. Sir, what are you trying to do here? Let's go. I like those guys. I know.
2: I do too. Shout to them.
0: Game one, Friday. You got to be confident enough in yourself to not shy away from anything else.
2: I would agree. Let's go.
0: Game one, Friday, 7.30 p.m. It's Number three, Kansas against number 22, Tennessee in the title game of the battle for Atlantis inside Sebastian Bach Arena. Mm. Tennessee minus one and a half you can watch it on ESPN among the wild things I learned earlier today Sebastian Bach famed frontman of Skid Row born in the Bahamas
2: was unaware that <laughs> would have never guessed that unaware unaware entirely Tennessee this is the Caesar Nada. this is the Caesars line Tennessee is favored in this game this
0: is yeah, Tennessee minus one and a half. I Tennessee was really high at Ken Palm is, is is the best explanation I got for it.
2: Got to be it. Oh man, Tennessee got a good push from USC. I actually was watching a little bit of that second screen action uh, here in Portland on Thursday. I'm gonna go JP. I'm gonna go Kansas here. Kansas, yeah, Kansas is sixteen. Kansas is sixteen Ken Palm, And let me see what they are. At. Torvik right now Kansas is whoa 18 at Torvik so that that would explain that a bit but I mean Jalen Wilson has been terrific so far uh, I think I this is the Kevin McCuller game uh, you know Grady Dick's been really good Dwan Harris reliable point guard but give me give me McCuller to really play well here I will take I will take Kansas as a straight up situation
0: Ricky was a young boy
2: didn't see that. I can't pick against Grady Dick. Can you pick against
0: Grady Dick as an underdog?
2: I I can, but I'm choosing not to pick against Dick on Friday. I cannot pick against Grady Dick as an underdog. In fact, I'm not sure I'll ever do it. Oh. So give me
0: Kansas. Uh, Plus, I, don't, I mean, I might. I don't know. I don't even know going, what I'm you're, saying. You're going
2: to do it eventually.
0: Yeah. Can't. I don't know. I might not do it now you, just so I can say that I never picked against Grady Dick. I'm telling Grady you, you're going to
2: forget you ever had this conversation, and like six weeks from now, you're going to pick against Dick. Okay,
0: I'm gonna make a note, not to a make a note. I broke every time Kansas is in the final four and one, if they're an under if the JX are an underdog, I will I will take Kansas plus the points because of how much I believe in the combination of Bill Self and Grady Dick. Plus Jalen Wilson, who is playing like an all-American. Um, obviously, given everything Kansas lost from that championship team, they were gonna need Jalen Wilson to be an all-American level guy. And so far he has been that Dewan Harris has um taken control of games late. And Grady Dick looks like one of the best freshmen in the country. So Kansas plus one and a half. We both going to play it that way. Game two, Friday, 930 p.m. Eastern. It's number 18, Alabama versus number 20, UConn in the Phil Knight Invitational Semifinals inside Gerald Ford
2: Arena. Alabama minus one. You can watch it on ESPN. Uh, so this is in Veterans Memorial Coliseum, technically. But did Ford was there? Was a DNC held there? or A Republican? Uh, what was? What's the deal with Gerald Ford? Fun what's fact. Yeah.
0: Gerald Ford in yeah. 1974 became the first United States president to ever attend an NBA game, and he did it at Memorial Coliseum. It was the Portland Trailblazers against the Buffalo Braves.
2: Okay. There
0: we go uh you
2: Daniel?
0: will be in the same building where Gerald Ford once watched a basketball <laughs> game. Dead leg.
2: Gerald Ford. Um, I, I had no idea you had a Gerald Ford impersonation. That was you don't Gerald Ford. You don't know that. You don't know. That, you don't know that reference. I don't know what you're doing. Gerald Ford. That was Dana Carvey doing Tom. Brokaw. That's my impression of Dana Carvey's impression of Tom Brokaw saying Gerald Ford I'm sorry okay, That's a lot. That's a lot going on. Gerald Ford. Um, went, to,
0: went to the Letterman show one time. Guess who the guest was? I'm going to say
2: it was Charles Ford.
0: No, it's Tom Brokaw. Okay. Tom <laughs> Brokaw and the musical guest, the great Dolly Parton.
2: There we go. Not bad at all. Uh, yeah. uconn Bama is a tricky one here because UConn was so good. Alabama, I think, is the better team. I think. Oh, only uh, the line is one. One point. Um, cannot wait to watch this game. If UConn plays like it did against Oregon, then UConn's gonna win. But I will go I will go Bama in this spot. Uh Alabama has the number one ranked two point percentage defense in the country right now. Now UConn was on fire from three point range on Thursday. We'll see if they can do that again on Friday. Just give me something really entertaining. Adama by the way, for UConn, has every bit to this point lived up to his preseason biggies player of the year moniker. Uh really good gains from him. In addition to everything else, UConn is getting around him. Tristan Newton, the East Carolina transfer, shooting 39% from three, big time. Caraban, Alex Caraban, the Caraban Caravan. It's rolling raw. Are you joining the Caraban Caravan, GP? I'll consider it. Okay. 39% three-point shooter. He's also been good. And Outer Jackson is, is back and he's playing. He's played three games to this point and uh, still coming along, but having him involved is also a... a a big time addition for UConn, but I will take. I think this could be a really, really good game, but I'll take Bama to win and cover.
0: I'm with you. I'm going to take Alabama as well. I've moved the Crimson Tide up to number ten in the top twenty five and one. So I'm gonna I'm going to play this game, um, in a way that is consistent with the top twenty five and one, and that means Alabama over UConn laying a point. Game three, Friday, eleven thirty p.m. Eastern. Number six, Gonzaga versus number 24, Purdue in the Phil Knight Legacy Semifinals finals inside Maurice Cheek's Arena. Gonzaga mm-hmm. minus five and a half. You can watch it on ESPN.
2: Smelling any upside here, GP? Ooh, you know how I feel about Matt Painter.
0: If you don't mind me patting myself on the back a little bit, I was, uh, I, I ranked Purdue the entire offseason. And even yeah. some Purdue fans were like, Why are you ranking us? <laughs> like, we don't have a the roster is not great. And I said, yeah, yeah, I don't know if the roster is great, but you got Zach Eady. And more importantly, you have Matt Painter. I think for seven straight seasons, Purdue has finished in the top 25 at Palm. So I was just, I'm going to trust him to do it again. And s- the early returns are encouraging. Eady was terrific um, on Thursday. And now, you know, we've already had Drew Timmy, Oscar Shibwe. We get Drew Timmy, Zach Eady. That'll be a lot of fun.
2: That will be. I, I will take Purdue to cover here. I'll take Gonzaga to win, but I will take Purdue to get the cover. And JP, do, do you have the schedule in front of you? Uh, Is this the last game of the day. This isn't the last game. It might be the second to last game. Let me look this up real quick. It's got to be. I mean,
0: 1130. You're going to go later than 1130 p.m. Eastern? tip in portland yeah
2: oregon michigan state technically tips later the last game and we are not picking ducks Sparty, but that is the last game of the day uh is oregon michigan state so damn okay yeah that's how i'll be i'll be the i'll be there i'll be bouncing back and forth yeah i just might have to wake up and see how that we're just gonna wake up i don't i don't blame you for that but give me purdue to cover gonzaga to win yeah i'll take I got to be different than you somewhere. I'll lay the points
0: with the Zags,
2: you but you do not have to be. I'm just letting you know you have autonomy. You can pick whatever you damn well please. And if it's the same as me in your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts, uh, if you want to pick the same game, that's fine. Like that's completely allowable. I'm not two trying...
0: things I'm committing to. Oh
2: boy. I will never pick against Grady Dick as an underdog.
0: And I will in game three every Friday go opposite no. of you no matter what it is.
2: Ridiculous. I'm gonna fade
0: you on game three. I don't think your game three track record is very good. So I'm going Gonzaga minus five and a half.
2: It's six three. and a half. Six and a half. Six and a
0: half. It was five and a half before we started this podcast. Six and a half in the document I'm looking at. So. Well, then, no, no, no. Let's let's let me look and see what we got right cool. now. Not, I'm not gonna have to lay an extra point because you guys are doing some funny business on me. I think you're doing. It is six and a half. It's moved up. Oh, off. okay. I thought you were doing funny business. Mm, mm. I thought you were doing funny business on me. Okay, I'm like six and a half. Yeah, I was wrong. All right. All, all that means is money's coming in on Gonzaga. I'm on the right side of this. It's me and the Sharps taking the Zags minus six and a half. Game four, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. St. Louis at number 13, Auburn inside Chris Porter Arena. Ken Palm has it, Auburn minus eight. You can watch it on the SEC Network.
2: Mm. Auburn minus eight, according to Ken Palm. Ooh, baby. uh, Dude, I didn't watch any of the game. Am I remembering this? Did Auburn beat Northwestern by one? And I was like, what was it? was 43-42. It was a rough one. We had 43. it was on, on CBS 42. Sports Network. Oh, was it a CBS? Oh, yeah. gosh. And you were in studio. I was in studio. I had that. I had, that had that viewing session go for you? Uh, you know, we we were eating dinner and watching the game. It's fine. All right, so the game wasn't so offensive that you were incapable of keeping food down. No, I, I swallowed all my food. Okay. All right, man, oh, man. That's- Three years ago, I almost choked to death on lamb
0: in the CBS Sports, uh, in the uh, CBS Broadcast Center. It was almost over for me. It was
2: almost over, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I survived it, but, like, I almost choked to death. That's a true also story.
2: after a, a one-point Northwestern loss, few people know that. I will say, hmm, man, St. Louis right now is 5-1, the only loss... Run out of the gym against Maryland undefeated right now. Terps, 95-67, six days ago. Uh St. Louis does have a neutral court win over Providence, has defeated Memphis. Um, By the way, outrageous way for Seton Hall to beat Memphis on Thanksgiving. Dude, you don't even know what happened
0: before that. Memphis had two free throws, missed them both. Okay, it's a two-point game. They got two free throws, like six seconds to go. Missed them both, all right? Then... Gets the offensive rebound. I believe it was Chandler Lawson. All you got to do is hold it. They're going to foul him again. He's going back to the he's going to the free throw line. Up two. He decides to try to pass it. <laughs> they get a steal and then a timeout. And then Seton Hall banks in a three at the buzzer to beat the Tigers by a point. Um, nice. Like we all, uh, you always hear things like, "Ah, they gave one away." I mean, they literally gave the game away. All you all you got to do, you got the offensive rebound. Just hold the ball. They'll foul you.
2: You go to the free throw line is was outrageous behavior. That is outrageous. I eight is just enough here for me. Yeah, what a way to lose. Um I'll St. Louis has the best guard on the floor in this game, Yuri Collins. I will I will take slew to cover. You know how we feel about our Billikens on this pod. Give me slew to cover. But Auburn to win. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm going to take slew to cover as well. I mean, we have Billiken belts for crying out loud. It's true. Not to mention you're you're looking at Master of Ceremonies, 810 10 media day, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. St. Louis is good. I don't know what happened at Maryland. <laughs> that, was, that was ridiculous. But I, th- I still think St. Louis is, is, is solid. Five of one so far, like you mentioned, they beat Memphis, beat Providence. I think they, they, they stay within that eight. M- maybe can't fall short. Maybe fall short of winning the game at Auburn, but can stay within that eight. At the under 4 we'll be in a game that is still up for grabs. That's my prediction. And if, again, if that's wrong, just move on to something else.
2: Final game. It's going down today. It's going down today. Going down. It is. Ricky was
0: a young boy. Sebastian Bach from the Bahamas. Who would have ever
2: assumed that? This is a 5.30 Eastern tip, 2.30 local. Inside Jerry Garcia, coliseum what can i get a little box of rain from you gp nope nope nope
0: sure i wouldn't consider myself a deadhead uh, probably not you took suggestions on what to listen to on your flight to portland what'd you listen
2: to I don't have time for that i gotta get out of here you how about never. a little casey jones from you, gp i mean i do know that trouble song. ahead trouble behind. train is it high
0: on cocaine Correct. Was he high on cocaine driving a train? That sounds dangerous.
2: There we go. That Um, sounds dangerous. Grateful Dead, obviously, four years ago. Portland Memorial Coliseum, as it was known then. 6 LP, 19 CD box set was released. May of 74. How do you not know that? Stint. Big time. Um, UNC Iowa State. Offense versus defense. The line we have here. It's UNC minus five and a half. Who you got?
0: I was thinking about driving a train high on cocaine. I don't even know what game we're talking about. UNC,
2: Iowa State inside <laughs> Jerry Garcia Coliseum.
0: I think North Carolina finally performs to expectations and beats Iowa State by enough to cover that number.
2: I'm going to agree with you. Oh, you. Sorry. I. I I'm going to agree here. I'm going to agree. Carolina gets it done, they get their act together, they turn around quick, and they win, and they win. Uh how about this? I'll say UNC by double digits. Ooh. UNC by double
0: digits. Leaky black, don't let us down.
2: Seriously. All right, we ready
0: to go? Let's get out of here. Ricky was a young boy. That old Ricky man, he went through it, you know. And life took a life took a turn of events for him. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Huck. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Apple. Five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. I don't have any doubt Ricky was one of us. I mean, like, I'd bet my life on it. Yeah. I'd bet my life on it. We'll talk to you again, I think, actually Monday morning. We're going to talk to you again because... Uh, the events in Portland are late, really late Sunday night. And there's a chance, like, we're going to need to be talking about that stuff. And we're not doing a 1 a.m. podcast. Not not in November. May, we will in March, but not in November. So we're going to talk to you again on Monday morning. I'll tweet out the exact time when we know it. Till then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care.